Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome friends who have moved away and are joining us from afar. And um, friends who are in Charlotte, but maybe we haven't seen each other face to face in maybe now 11 months, uh, or anyone who is new to Warehouse. My name is Ashley Flowers. I'm a member at Warehouse um, and get the privilege of sharing with you this morning. We are wrapping up, um, as Cameo said, uh, one of Paul's letters, the book of Philippians, and our sermon series is called More Than Warm Fuzzies. And we've really been talking about the book of Philippians being a book that is full of joy. Um, for me, I want to share a little something of y'all. When I was 15 or 16 years old, um, my Young Life leader said something to me that has stuck with me ever since. And it was about chick flicks of all things and it being Valentine's Day today. I feel like this is an appropriate story to share. Um, but chick flicks being romantic comedies. Uh, we were planning a sleepover at her apartment. And I told her that all I wanted to do was watch a chick flick and eat ice cream together. I was probably in between boyfriends at the time and looking for an opportunity to have one big pity party. And she simply said to me, I have hit my limit for chick flicks right now. Let's choose something else. I was a little bit lost in my head for a moment when she said that. And so I thought it over and I finally asked her, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean you've hit your limit? She asked me how I feel when watching romantic comedies. And I said, warm and fuzzy. And then I thought more about it and I just answered her honestly. And I said, I'm, I'm sad. She asked why I felt that way. And I told her that it was because um, I never felt like I could have the happiness or companionship that I wanted in comparison. Um, and that really the guy on the big screen was like something that you never really could have. And she said, yeah, that's why I put limits on what I watch and what I take in. I know when I can handle and when I can't handle that type of stuff. It's not healthy for me, nor what I'm trying to build in my relationship with God. And in that moment, it was like fireworks in my head. One, that there would be something outside of just sex, drugs, and rock and roll that needed limits in my life. But two, that I was trying to build something in my relationship with God. Discipleship that is life on life is beautiful. Uh, I was able to watch and learn from my leader as she built into her relationship with God, as well as talk honestly about her desires, fears, and battles with contentment and joy. Uh, in Philippians 4, where we are in our sermon series today, Paul is wrapping up his letter to the Philippians. But in his wrap-up and closing remarks, honestly, I think he saved some of the best nuggets for last, words that have been underlined and highlighted over and over again for years in my Bible. And so if you've got a Bible with you, grab it. If not, pull it up on your phone. The book of Philippians, um, simply because I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't expect everybody to know where everything is perfectly. And Philippians is like maybe two pages in your Bible. But if you can maybe find where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, the four Gospels, go past that. Uh, you'll see uh, Acts and Romans, and then you'll see First and Second Corinthians. And then this is my little cheat sheet for you. I say go eat popcorn for the letters of 
Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Maybe you learned it some other way. Maybe I've stalled long enough for you to find a Bible around your house, but turn to chapter four. I'm going to start reading in verse two and go all the way to the end of the chapter. So it says this, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintke to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes. And I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, and you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me and with me, send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So Paul's doing a few things as he closes his letter. He's one promoting unity. As you see, he specifically mentions a couple of women, not in a way of like calling them out, but sort of. Uh, he mentions Yodia and Syntyche. We don't have any context really as to what their issues were, but we know that Paul cared enough to address it. If you remember back in chapter two, I mean, there's this beautiful, beautiful picture of humility and taking on the attitude of Christ that we talked about. But he literally said in chapter two, um, he laid this groundwork for what it looks like to live in community, to 
humble yourselves and to consider each other better than yourself. And so he laid out that high value and high calling. And then he gently reminded these two women to reconcile. He then gives some beautiful words regarding prayer and meditating on virtue, which we'll get to and talk a bunch about. And then he thanks the church for their financial gifts to him while throwing in some powerful nuggets on contentment, which we will definitely get to. And then he ends his letter with final greetings. But I want to look um, first at verses 12 and 13. Verse 13 is probably a familiar verse because it is one that people love to take out of context, but it is far more powerful and applicable if we take it in its context. And so it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So it's a far bigger deal than just putting, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, that Philippians 4.13, on a plaque near a ropes course as an as inspiration or writing it on your basketball shoes before a big game. Paul, as you know, if you've been tuning in with us, is writing from prison. Um, But he has also been persecuted, shipwrecked, been beaten and stoned, gone toe-to-toe with false teachers, been misunderstood, and yet he carries this attitude of contentment. You know, to some degree, it feels like, please, Paul, tell me all your secrets. And to be honest, he does lay them out a little bit through here. Um, He specifically here is talking in context of when he felt supported in his ministry, whether financially or otherwise. Um, There have been times when he had more than what he needed to do his work and other times when he was struggling and he expresses gratitude um, for the gifts. But I want to take a look at how Paul is finding this contentment that he speaks about. He says he can do all things through Christ. And I just think that's a beautiful picture of dependence on God. You know, this gospel is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of gospel. Uh, This is salvation only through grace alone and through a desperate dependence on God. I say that again. This salvation is only through grace alone and through a desperate dependence on God which is counterintuitive in many ways to how we ourselves grow up. And if you're a parent, how you raise your children. The goal is independence for those who are able to tie your own shoes, to be able to have that first sleepover away from home, which took me a very long time. Uh, My parents are on this and they can attest to how many times they had to pick me up at 11 o'clock from someone's house. Uh, But to be responsible for getting your schoolwork done Um, essentially to grow up, leave the nest, to be financially independent, and so on. But the gospel is not about independence. It's not about needing God less once we've hit spiritual maturity, Um, but it is about surrendering to God more, recognizing that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't earn righteousness on our own, and we certainly cannot find peace and contentment on our own either. It is found solely in relationship with God. And for anyone who's felt like they've wandered afar and then come back or wandered afar and then come back, 
is only found in relationship with God. Uh, No one loves being needy. I don't love being needy. There's a vulnerability that comes with that. But in order to build something with God, we have to recognize our need for him. I didn't grow up going to church, uh, but I became a Christian in high school and then started going to church regularly. And church was a foreign place to me in the beginning. So honestly, I didn't listen much to the pastor, but I like looked around and was super observant to everything that was going on around me. I looked at who was bored, who was falling asleep, wondered why they were there, if they weren't really that into it. You know, since I didn't grow up religious, I didn't understand certain attitudes that people had. But there was one group of women that I just laser focused on. Um, They were women in their 80s and 90s, and they sat really close to the front. Um, I think that they like came on a bus from like the local retirement center And um, one or two of them would cry during worship, like during the singing. And at first I was like, oh, like what must be going on in their lives? You know, maybe one of them just lost a spouse or maybe just recently heard really bad news. But as I got to know some of them, I realized it was a totally different type of crying. It was sorrowful. It was repentant. It was a surrendering type of tears. It was um, just this reverent dependence on a God that they had built something with. I want to look back at verses six through eight to see really how Paul is finding this contentment beyond just this dependence on God. And Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. And the first time I underlined that in my Bible, I was like, yeah, right, Paul. (laughs) Um, But he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The key to contentment is dependence on God, which is most beautifully expressed in prayer and about choosing what you fill your mind with. If you're like me, our minds are far too focused um, on things that leave us coming up short, mainly comparison and competition. We never win in either of those scenarios, do we? Either we find ourselves in a better spot than someone else, that faux feeling of contentment, it doesn't last very long. There's always someone doing better or who has more than we do. And so what would it mean uh, for us to think about what is true, noble, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? So sort of that mindset of taking every thought captive. But it makes me think of uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. The writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat at the right hand of the throne. And so what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? All right. For me this week, woo, good time to be going over this scripture for me. Um, the other day I heard really hard news. It was circumstantial in nature, but it also felt really deeply personal. Like there was uh, trouble, but there was also hurt involved, if you know what I mean. And it was just stuck in my brain, like circling round and round and round. I was trying to create my own solutions to it, but I really had nothing. And it was creating just a cycle of really anxious thoughts that were really beginning to consume me. And so I got out a piece of paper and I wrote at the top, God, you are blank in the midst of my circumstance. And I just allowed myself to instead trying to problem solve, but to focus on God's character, what I know to be true of him. And so I wrote down, God, you are my rock, my savior, my friend, my hiding place, my leader, my shepherd, my good father, my king, my joy. And after I I stared at all of those names and attributes of God, I just sat in it and then I just go, okay, what is the next thing that comes to me? And all I wrote down was, I can trust you. My word for 2020 or for 2021, which I've never done this before, but you know, it's like very much so a warehouse thing, I feel like, is to claim a word for the year. And so I was like, all right, it's 2021. We all know 2020 was terrible. So maybe creating a word for myself this year might do something. So after a lot of deliberation, I chose the word enough. And uh, I chose it because I wanted to focus on that God is enough, that I have enough, And that I am enough. Mark and I joke, we like bought three new couches during COVID because you just start looking around your house, wanting more, hating what you have. And I just said, okay, no more online shopping, no more focusing on all of the yuck and mess. God is enough. I have enough and I am enough. And so much of choosing that word for me was about choosing contentment. And so this is the last thing I want to challenge us with this morning. And honestly, it's something I am wrestling with myself. Perspective is something that is elusive in the moment, right? We only seem to gain perspective after the fact. And so I want us to think about something that we're dealing with right now in our lives. Maybe it's a struggle of being in the pandemic. Maybe it's a tough relationship. Maybe it's a work issue or a parenting issue. And I want us to ask ourselves, how do I want to tell this story later on of how I worked through it? How do I want to tell the story later on of how I worked through it? 
Will it be a story of a pity party, chick flicks and ice cream? Or will it be one of choosing contentment, depending on God and prayer, fixing our eyes on Jesus and moving toward health? And what do you need today to really live into that story? Let me pray for us. Oh God, you are worthy. Uh, You are worthy. You are worthy. Um, Lord, I confess that in pain or in anxiety or in just wanting to accomplish, I choose independence every single moment that I can. And it leaves me wanting more. It leaves me in a place of trying to build up my own significance and self-worth. And God, it just turns into a mess. And so, Father, would I learn a repentant attitude? Would I cling to you fervently in prayer? Would I fix my eyes on you? Would I desire to really know you? Would I desire to be able to claim big things of you rather than of myself? God, we need you. Lord, help us not to chase contentment in anything other than you. God, thank you for Paul. Thank you for his words of encouragement and joy to the Philippians. Father, thank you for pillars in the faith. God, thank you for uh, being a miracle worker, a way maker in Mava's life. God, we give you the praise for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen.